1: There have been plenty of questions over the past few weeks about whether Alberta could have implemented less less strict COVID-19 restrictions like Sweden did. It made headlines uh, worldwide for keeping elementary schools and most businesses and restaurants opening while banning gatherings of more than 50, closing high schools and universities and urging isolation for those over 70 and others considered vulnerable. It was being asked about so much that Dr. Dina Henshall, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, addressed it recently. Uh, posting case comparisons between Alberta and Sweden. Now, according to the province, between March 1st and May 18th, Sweden saw double the number of cases per 10,000 people, as well as 12 times the number of deaths. For ICU uh, cases per 10,000, Sweden had to treat 18 times more patients. But should we be comparing the two and was one way better than the other? To find out more, we're joined by Dr. Craig Jenny, who is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Calgary. Dr. Jenny, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Okay, well, let's uh, let's get to this, because, you know what, I can tell you over and over again um, over the past number of uh, weeks, uh, people have been texting my show saying, you know, well, look at what Sweden did. You know, Sweden did such a great job, that sort of thing. Should we be comparing Alberta and Sweden at all?
0: Well, we can make some general comparisons but it's very difficult to compare numbers head to head for a lot of different reasons and and really at the the base of it is the population in sweden uh, uh, lifestyle uh, general health is quite different than here in alberta so for example most people in sweden actually live in, in single occupancy dwellings so the, not even large family units so people are basically as soon as they go home at night are self-isolating so there there are some very fundamental differences between sweden and alberta
1: Sure. So, what happened in um, in the neighbors of, of Sweden as far as numbers and, and what they did, comparing it to to uh, that country?
0: Yeah. So that's definitely the better comparison. So they're direct neighbors countries like Denmark and Norway were much stricter in their lockdown so they closed schools they they shut restaurants down they shut uh, other services down and as a result Sweden has more than a ten times higher death rate per Mm. capita than their neighbors so comparing comparable populations comparable lifestyle we're seeing more than a ten times increase in fatalities in what uh, Sweden's approach yielded versus for example Norway or Denmark
1: so, Dr. Jenny, I think what it comes down to here is, you know, you have to you have to design whatever plan you're going to make based on the democrat, the demographics that you're representing, and you, when when you go to compare them, they have to be apples and apples, not apples and oranges, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's also important to keep in mind that those plans have to evolve as the virus and as the community yeah. we're targeting evolves, right? Um, as numbers change here in Alberta, we are seeing implementation of of different restrictions, less restrictions but we're not uh, saying it's a free-for-all and we can go back to, to life as it was for example in, in January
1: yeah I think just a lot of people look at what we've gone through uh, in the in the country in, in Alberta and say hey you know what we have done a great job at flattening the curve and we have that low hospitalization rate the low death rate if you want to say 138 is is low um, but the question is could we have done it without collapsing the economy as we have what do you say to people who are who are questioning you know who are asking that question right now
0: yeah, I think those are fair questions. I think everything can be looked at in hindsight. But what we do know is that areas that still, for example, did a lockdown, but less severe of a lockdown, uh, did have increased deaths versus what we did here in Alberta. So I think we we actually dramatically outperformed what we were hoping to do with these curves. Uh, the, the, the public in general has really embraced the guidelines. And as a result, we flattened the curve very early here in the province. And as you pointed out, the, the biggest measure are hospitalization rate, intensive care unit, occupancy. Those are far better than we were hoping to achieve. And I, I think it actually speaks quite good of the model. What we do know in, in, for example, places in the U.S. where the model is just slightly more relaxed, they did end up filling their intensive uh, care unit uh, to capacity in, in a number of places. And that's something that, that just leads to further problems. As soon as you can't care for people, death rates go up, whether it's from mm-hmm. COVID or from other things. It could be something as simple as there's not an intensive care unit bed for a traffic accident and we never yep. want to be in that situation where we cannot provide care to the citizens of Alberta.
1: Uh, Dr. Jenny before we or Jenny before we wrap this up um, Sweden's been talking a lot about herd immunity we've heard a lot about herd immunity um, you know saying that they wanted to have that hopefully in you know, in, in a, number, a number of people uh, by June. What do we know about that and if it's possible? Because I'm, if I remember correctly, we're not even sure if we know about immunity after someone has been um, diagnosed with COVID and recovered from it. We're not sure about that yet because of, we haven't done all the antibody tests yet.
0: Yeah, I think you're exactly right on that. I, I think on paper, herd immunity is a fantastic idea. And for some diseases, it works extremely well. We know, for example, herd immunity is one of our frontline defense against influenza deaths. And that's yeah. a combination of exposure and vaccination. But if we can get enough people with immunity, we can shut down flu. We simply don't know enough about this coronavirus. We don't know for sure if you've had it and cleared it. Are you now protected? Is everybody who cleared it protected or only people with a high immune response and a low response is not quite good enough? Um, so we're still learning. And unfortunately, we do not have a previous track record on this specific virus to compare it to. So we're learning as we go along and the models have to change as we get more information which i know can be confusing to the public but it's encouraging that we are revising our models based on the latest things we learn
1: Dr. Jenny, it must be fascinating um, doing the job that you do to be watching this over the past 10, 12 weeks, or actually, I guess, maybe four months, five months now, if you go back to China, but seeing how, how it has spread across, uh, across uh, around the world and, and how different countries have handled it and how the, the virus has changed and mutated a little bit over the past number of months. must be fascinating.
0: It, it's interesting, for sure. I think, for me, what, what has been more surprising is actually how well various countries in the world have actually uh, worked together. So we're seeing now in the vaccine trials, these are international trials. We are participating uh, with vaccines that are developed in other European nations or in the US and and we're all pulling in the same direction, knowing that the sooner we can get a treatment, uh, the sooner the the whole world can unlock and we can get back to to better business and and even just getting back to traveling for enjoyment and and seeing family and, and other activities.
1: Dr. Jenny, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate your time.
0: You're welcome. Take care.
1: Yeah, all the best. Dr. Jenny, who is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Calgary.